the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today is entitled, The New Temple. And we'll bring this to you in two parts due to our time constraints. But never forget, you can always go to ReachingYourHeart.com. There on the main page, you'll find this message as well as many other messages available there for you in their entirety without interruption. Just look for the broadcast schedule. And again, that website is ReachingYourHeart.com. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with The New Temple. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Dear Father God, we don't want to get to heaven in the wrong way. Because heaven wouldn't be home unless Jesus is the way. And so bring Jesus here. I'm clay, and Father, I fall short of your glory. And so I ask you to make your glory shine in spite of me and through me. Thank you for Jesus who is worthy. And Lord, we're not. So we ask you to come to us in our humble estate, our need of you. To remember that we can't even articulate truth without you. And Father, in this place, give us the obedience of the heart. To not seek the highest place, but to seek the right place where we can serve you in the temple of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Nobel Prize-winning poet and author T.S. Eliot once wrote, Where there is no temple, there shall be no homes. The temple of God is a home. It creates homes. And if there is no temple, there's no place to call home. The Bible starts with creation. It starts with God. It starts with home. In the beginning, God, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Hebrew letter Beit is the Hebrew letter of the alphabet that means house. And that letter is a word, the very first word of the Bible. Beit is the letter for the word in, in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God, house. What does in mean here? At its deepest level, the word in means inside of something. Inside, at the heart of God's beginning, there is a house. Inside the first moment of time from which God moved forward in time to create the heavens and the earth, there is a house, a place to belong, a holy home for you. Inside the beginning, at the beginning, there was God. And God is our home. Genesis starts with home and it moves out. And inside the temple of time itself, God is the house And before there was a was, God was a home for the future. He had mapped it out in his eternal plan. T.S. Eliot was right. Where there is no temple, there shall be no homes. Creation starts with a house that is him. And creation moved forward in time toward us. Home finds us in the Bible. Home defines us. Home draws us in. We worship a God who shares himself in times as home. He shows that aspect of the heart that is the hearth for the home. 
At the hearth, for the heart, they cannot find a place to rest. You know, there are many metaphors for God in the Bible. I I could go on all morning, but the very first metaphor in the Bible is a house because God is the true temple and God is our home. Friend, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, He brought them into the desert to discover His presence in the wilderness. In a place in which there was no house, He decided to dwell among His people. And he gave this command to Moses, Exodus 25, 8, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Friend, God doesn't want to dwell near you. He doesn't desire to live above you. It is not his intention to hide in some heavenly house so you can't find him and you can't interact with him. God told Moses why he was to make a sanctuary. He put it plainly. He said, I want to dwell in their midst. I want to be with them. I mean, you translate that into our present need. What is God saying? He's saying, I want to be with you. I mean, we don't worship a God who's disinterested in your personal affairs. We worship a God who in every way desires to be your friend. Have you ever felt like God's so far away that he's not connected to you? Have you ever felt like your sins have barred him from knowing you? Have you ever felt like your best efforts have fallen short in his plan? Somehow... You can't bridge the gap between you and God. Have you ever felt that way? I have. I felt that way this week. You know, we live in a world that's loud. We live in a world in which there are forces yanking at our cords, trying to make us go this way or that. We hear the storms of war in our world culture. And there's this feeling somehow. It can just burrow in. God isn't with us because at times we let God down. Friend... God has bridged the gap between your worthlessness, your faithlessness, and your inability to know Him. He has bridged the gap in Jesus to find you out and to search you out so that you can be a part of His home, that you can come home to God. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. God is the home for the heart in these last days of human history. And so we are reminded where there is no temple, there shall be no homes. Creation starts with a house that is Him, and creation moves forward in time. It finds us. God said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. God doesn't want to dwell near you. He wants to be with you. In a sense, God's people became the sanctuary. He dwelt in the midst of His people, and they became a home for Him. Psalms 114, verse 2, Judah became His sanctuary, Israel His dominion. The same truth was expressed by Paul in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 3, 17. If anyone destroys God's temple, what does it say? God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that temple you are. When you look at the Greek language, the word you is not singular. The word you is plural. What he's saying is you all together are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you destroy the temple, if you destroy the church of God, God will destroy you. And so we are to build up the family of God, not to tear it down because the entire dwelling of God in the Spirit is right here among His people. God has determined that His people would be a sanctuary. Church is not always fun for me. Is it fun for you all the time? You come to church and say, well, all my needs are met at church. Well, my needs aren't met at church all the time. Are yours? Are yours? No. Okay. Isn't there work to do inside the church? Things that have to happen. 
I work hard, long hours. Some of you do too. Some of you don't. But you know what? I don't come to church to have my needs met. I come to church because God is here. I come to church and I serve in the church regardless of what happens to me. In my experience, and I'm just sharing with you from my own heart, I've come to a place where I don't care how people treat me in the church. I don't care if they're nice to me or not. And a lot of you are nice to me. I'm not putting the church down today. But there have been seasons when going to church is rough. I come to church because God goes to church. Because this place, this gathering of people is a holy sanctuary. And if I want God's presence in life, I must gather and be among His people. And so God has declared that Judah would become His sanctuary. Israel, His dominion, reaching hearts, His sanctuary in this area. I go to church for God. The Gospel of John begins with creation. Just like Genesis does, we run into the central truth that creation is not about a purpose, it's about a person. And that God's purpose is in the person of Jesus Christ. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the Gospel of John, the Word is Jesus Christ. You cannot separate the Word of God from God. In the Gospel of John, the Word became flesh. The Word that was with God, that is God, became a human being, not another God. God is one. And we find God reaching out to His creation through the Word. And God's Word developed vocal cords so God could speak in our language as one of us. John 1.10 He was in the world. The world was made through Him, yet the world knew Him not. He came to His own home and His own people received Him not. Jesus' journey to become one of us is a paradox pilgrimage of sorts. The God who is our home made His home with us. His house became our house. And John says he came to his own home and he was thrown out of his own house. Friend, Jesus is the only God in the history of the world who was thrown out of his own temple and he died outside the gates of his holy city. And what do you do when you're God and there's no place for you to call home in your own holy house? Where do you go when you've been pushed out of your temple? That's what John is saying. T.S. Eliot said, where there is no temple, there shall be no homes. Friend, if there is no temple for God, then where do you go to to find God? Moses was the man God chose to build the very first tabernacle in the desert. He commanded Moses to make the sanctuary look like he did at creation. And when God commanded Moses to build the sanctuary in all its details, seven times from Exodus 25.1 to Exodus 32.12, which ends out the description of the building of the sanctuary, seven times you'll find the text saying, the Lord said to Moses. This is an echo of creation when it says, and God said, let there be. And so God is speaking in the creation of the sanctuary in seven sequential statements, just like He did at creation when He spoke the universe into existence. The first is Exodus 25.1, the Lord said to Moses. The second is Exodus 30.11, the Lord said to Moses. The third, Exodus 30, 17, the Lord said to Moses. Number four, Exodus 30, 22, the Lord said to Moses. Exodus 30, verse 34, the Lord said to Moses. Exodus 31, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses. And 31, verse 12, number seven, the Lord said to Moses. Just like creation, the sanctuary ends with the seventh act of God. Now, what was the seventh act of God in the creation of the world? What happened on the seventh day? God said, 
He rested from all his work. And what did he do? He blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. The seventh time it says, and the Lord said to Moses, in the creation of the sanctuary, we have the Sabbath just like at creation because the sanctuary leads us into a holy relationship with God just like creation did in the very beginning. Seven days in Genesis, God said, let there be. Seven times, the Lord said to Moses, number seven, the Sabbath. Look at verse 12. Here we have the seventh usage. And the Lord said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. God's sanctuary is not just a house, friend. God's sanctuary is a day at the end of the week that is a holy temple in time. It's not just a place, it's a time where we find God. The Sabbath is a temple in time that is a sign that God is our house. And when you come to church on Sabbath, you come to God in holy convocation on the seventh day, the Sabbath day. The sanctuary is patterned after creation because creation is a sanctuary for His people. Psalms 104 verse 2, the Bible says, God has stretched out the heavens like a tent. The universe was made to be a holy house. In my Father's house are many rooms. What does Jesus mean by that? In my Father's universe are many worlds. He's using cosmic language. The book of Hebrews is clear that there's a sanctuary that precedes the creation of this world. And that that sanctuary is in the heavens itself. And Christ has gone into the heavenly sanctuary as a forerunner for his people. Hebrews 9.24. The Bible says, For Christ has entered not into a sanctuary made with hands, a copy of the true one. But where? What does the text say? But into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Why is Jesus in the heavenly sanctuary? Friend, he's in the heavenly sanctuary Because God's glory would blow you away. It's a fact. You'd be vapor in a half a second or less. Your cells would be reduced to nothing because we are nature's sinners. And so God has provided a veil whereby the great God who loves you with an infinite love can reach out to you through Jesus and find you and you can survive the journey from here to home. That God can administer grace in your life as you are struggling to know Him more deeply. God has chosen Jesus as the forerunner to ascend to the throne of God, to represent us in that holy realm so that all the power of the universe can be administered to your life in time of need. I don't know about you, but I need divine help in my life. Do you? I need to know that God answers my prayers. Do you? In Christ, God meets our needs. And so Christ is the forerunner who's gone into the heavenly sanctuary for us. When your whole world falls apart, and it can, and it looks like you have nothing to look forward to, and it can, friend, God is your house. When you grow old, and you have no family, it seems, and you feel alone facing a future you did not prepare for, maybe you could not prepare for, God is your house. When your best plans become a sandbox in time, when all your dreams descend to dust, friend, God is your house. When your friends in the church grow old and you see them dying one at a time and you know that one day you will die too, friend, God is your house. If you have God, 
and you have nothing else, you have everything for a future life and this life for any life that matters because God is your house. And if your future is bleak, but you have God, that's the big but in the equation. The future has changed for you. And all that is dark has become bright because God is the future, the light of the future temple. God is your house. And if you're looking for a future and a home in another place, another time, Jesus is the only future that is God's plan for you because God is your house in Him. Psalm 77, 13, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great as God, as our God? It's no accident that Jesus made this claim in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The Bible says God's way is in the sanctuary. And Jesus said, I am the way. So if we find Christ, we find God's house. If we find Christ, we find the way into the very presence of God. We find the way home. In the immediate verses that precede John 14, 6, Jesus makes this promise in John 14, 1 to 3. It's the Lord's promise. Let's read it together. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Friend, there's no place without Jesus. That's the most important point of the verse. And where Jesus is, God has a home for you. Jesus is the way to God's house. Jesus is the home that is God's house. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus came to His own home. His own people did not receive Him. I mean, there's a paradox in His pilgrimage that is painfully clear. In rejecting Jesus, the ancient Jewish people rejected God's only way home. And you know, that same sin can be committed in our ranks today. We can get so busy with life that we make Jesus secondary. We can get so focused on what we want to do for ourselves, we forget the church and our plans, that we fail to serve God in the midst of His holy sanctuary, His temple here. And so it's possible to do exactly the same thing on the eve of the Advent that the ancient Jews did. In the Gospel of John, you're not the one who finds God. You aren't smart enough to sniff Him out. God finds you through grace or you're not found. You're not the one who makes a home for God. God makes His home with you and for you. God comes to the person who has faith in Jesus Christ, the person who longs for the light, the person who is willing to do His will, even if he stumbles at first, but prays to do His will. God comes to that person and reveals Himself to that man or woman. And God makes His home with them in the church. I've heard people say, well, I don't get my needs met in church. I'm going to stay home and... I'll get my needs met there. You will not get your needs met at home. It is in the holy association you find in the body of Christ that your needs are met. John 14, 23. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus answered him, If a man loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him. And what does he say next? We will come to him. Not just Jesus. He'll bring God to you. And make our home with Him. He's not talking about the second coming. He's talking about church. He's saying, if you really do keep my word, you love me, you want to study it and live it, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to bring God the Father into your church association. You'll have God packed inside your life. 
Now, friend, church is an empty place if God is not here, right? If we're trying to get the things done that we do and we don't have the Holy Spirit and we don't have the presence of God, then we're missing out. But look at the good side of this thing. If you have God and if you have Jesus, then it doesn't matter what you're putting up with or how hard the road is. It's meaningful, the journey, correct? So we seek the presence of God in this place. God comes to us. We're not alone in the journey to God's house. God is the home on the road that leads to Him. The true temple is not a place. It's not a house. It's a person. In the Gospel of John, the true temple of God becomes a human being, a house with a heart of love. God lives and dwells in one man as the true temple for every man and woman. John 1.14 The Bible says, The Word became flesh. How does it read? Dwelt among us. In the Greek, tabernacled among us. Became a temple among us, full of grace and truth. And we have beheld His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. The Shekinah glory of God. The brilliant fire of God's eternal presence that created the universe that forced atomic energy to coalesce into atoms that made the Higgs boss on everything else that nuclear physicists are seeking out to find the glory of God is in the person of Jesus Christ. Primordial energy is in him. Friend, the glory that shone forth between the cherubim of the Ark of the Covenant inside the most holy place of the Hebrew sanctuary dwells in Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, if you saw that glory, you were dead. You had no right to enter the most holy place. John says, we have seen the glory. We have looked inside the sanctuary when we looked at him. The light of love in his eyes was nothing less than the light of the glory of God from the creation of the world. The first fire was the warmth of his heart of love. The first light was his light and the darkness has not overcome the light. We have seen the glory. When we gather in this place, friend, we come into the presence of the Shekinah glory. It's no accident that Jesus said this in John 2.19. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple... In three days, I'll raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he spoke of the temple of his body. Friend, it's very clear in the Gospel of John. Jesus is the true temple. I mean, the temple that you can destroy, but it comes back. It will never fail to come back because once he's been resurrected, he's here for good. Christ is the true temple. God's house is a human heart that was broken for your heart and mine. Christ was condemned in part because He claimed to be the heart that is a home for the hurting, the heart of God, the true temple. And the man who is the way was sent away to die in the darkness. The man who dwelt in the temple for centuries was sent out of the temple. The one who is the glory of God was banished from the place of the glory to die on a lonely hill for our sins. John nineteen fifteen. they cried, Away with Him, away with Him, crucify Him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. Friend, Jesus died on the eastern mountain in the place that Solomon had erected altars to the gods Moloch and Chemosh. 
He died on ground that King Josiah had profaned with human bones so no one would ever offer a sacrifice on that mountain ever again. In a time, a third altar outside the wall was erected at the time of Christ on the eastern mountain. And Jesus died on the outside of His house, outside the eastern gate, the outcast from His own people. The true temple became a human being and He was executed far away from the place that should have had the presence of God. Hebrews 13, 12, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through His own blood. Therefore, and I like the therefore, if something's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. Therefore, let us go forth to Him where? What does it say? Outside the camp and bear the abuse He endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city which is to come. The light of the resurrection on Sunday morning is the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. His glory is the glory of God. When Mary came to the garden tomb looking for the body of Jesus, she saw a tomb that had become a temple. It had become a holy place. It was transformed by the presence of Christ. Look at John 20, 11 and 12. I mean, this is an amazing passage in our New Testament. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. She bends down like you'd be worshiping. Comes in. What did she see? Verse 12. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. Well, that will conclude the first portion of the new temple. That's the new temple. Today's Reaching Your Heart. You can find it online in its entirety without interruption at reachingyourheart.com. Just look for the broadcast schedule there on the main page. That's reachingyourheart.com. If you live in the Washington, D.C. area and are looking for a church home, or if you're passing through, please stop by the worship service this Saturday at 11 o'clock. The new address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. That again is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. For more information, you can stop by the website. Thanks for listening. As always, we pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.